Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, the Athletics' Jordan Rodriguez joins us to talk all about the breaking, not breaking, Sean McVay situation with the Rams. Is McVay retiring? What does it mean? How did we get here? What happens next? All of that stuff gets touched on today in an excellent conversation with a very, very thoughtful Jordan Rodriguez. But first, you already know about the Low Post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. But if you listen to the VC show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roscoe Danwede, these two talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC show. Listen wherever you're listening to this podcast, which you can listen to with Jordan Rodriguez right now. All right, joining me now here on the Bill Barnwell Show to discuss what we should say clearly before we hit any of this is a very fluid situation where news could break literally during the taping of this podcast on Thursday, early in the afternoon in the East Coast, late in the morning on the West Coast, but someone who has been covering the Rams doing excellent work all year, but someone who has been covering the Sean McVay story and everything that may or may not be happening with the defending with the coach of the defending Super Bowl champions is the Athletics Jordan Rodriguez. Jordan, how are you doing? Loaded question there, Bill. Loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um someone was asking me about how my tenure covering this team has felt and it's just been pure chaos, no middle ground, uh either best kind of chaos or worst kind of chaos. There's like they these guys all in this building have no idea how to hit the mean. They just have to operate either all gas, no brakes, or complete, you know, implosion into the sun. So <laughs> this is this is kind of where we're at right now. Well, um, certainly the Rams organization imploding into the sun is not ideally what the hope was after they won the Super Bowl. But of course, we know it was a very frustrating season. It was a, a difficult year in a lot of ways. A lot of players got injured. A lot of plans that were made seemed to get blown up. Attempts to solve those plans by making trades did not come through. And at the end of the year, it was a dismal season with a 5-12 and record for a team that is trading their first-round pick to the Detroit Lions. So there were reports during the season, and we'll get to all of this, of course, that Sean McVay, there were reports even, even in years past, which we'll get to, that Sean McVay was considering moving on and taking a media job. You've addressed those reports as the year has gone along. But just right now, before we get to the past, just right in terms of this moment, what is happening? Update us on where, in your eyes, based on your reporting, the Sean McVay situation stands for the Los Angeles Rams. Yes. And just know for people listening, this has changed and been fluid so many times over the last several days and, and even the last couple of weeks that I'm just going to timestamp. <laughs> this is Los Angeles time. It is 11.04 a.m. as I begin the sentence. So, um, you know, I genuinely know, and it is a truth that he had not made a firm decision that he wanted to really take some time to 
think about what it was that he wanted to do in 2023. A couple of sort of spin-off factoids off of that is the Rams not once have ever thought that if he takes a break, that he won't come back. They expect him to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams mm-hmm. beyond whatever break he does or does not take. Um, I think that they thought that a break was going to be coming after 2023. You kind of can see some of that just written in the in the you know the structures of the contracts that they've mm-hmm. handed out to some of their core players. And I think they thought that was what was going to happen in in light of the fact that they also had no idea that such a catastrophic season when they were attempting to repeat mm-hmm. um, would occur. And, and the the compounding of the injuries really was what sort of started the domino effect of this team and, and how awful things got. And then I would also get, we'll get into this later, but also some of the coaching uh maneuvering that they mm-hmm. made, um, maybe not getting guys he thought were A plus guys and in, in A plus positions and um having to do so so late in the year. And then all these things happen with him in the anyway. So they 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 knew it's always been a fact that Sean McVay will take a break at some point. Mm-hmm. Um I always describe him. He is a both ends candle burner. Um, his way of work is not sustainable for anybody who is <laughs> not mostly robot. Um, he's a person and his, the way that he operates is, um, incredibly, um, it, it, unsustainable in terms mm-hmm. of the, the output and the effort and the perfectionism and the control. Um, it's, it's not something that is, you can function like that in a, in a competitive football space, but you have to also program in rest, functional rest, which I don't think he has been very good at for the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. Um, and so that's always been a truth is that they've known that a break at some point would come. And they also know that it's kind of, you know, they believe that he is the best coach in the NFL. That's you know universally how they feel through the organization. And they believe that as long as he is functioning at a certain level, they are competitive. So they want to make sure that they give him everything he needs, um, which can be a double-edged sword as we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also want to make sure that he's functioning at his best. And, and when I say best, I think that's gone from meaning um, best as, as within the parameters of what football is, but mm-hmm. now it's started to mean best as a human and best in spirit, best in mind, um, and best in self. And I think that that's where you're looking at Sean being very reflective and looking inward right now, because, um, he doesn't feel like he's at his best in that mm-hmm. way. And he also doesn't feel like he's at his best as a coach. And those two things are intertwined where he'd been able to compartmentalize and separate them for so long. So, that's sort of the fluidity of this situation. His coaches, his assistant coaches have been sort of hanging on, uh, you know, with bated breath here because mm-hmm. he's given them permission to seek other opportunities if they choose. A lot of them wouldn't have returned anyway, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's given them permission to, because he's, this is an ongoing situation. He has not made a decision as of this timestamp of this very long sentence. <laughs> 
It's only only four minutes, so <laughs> nothing has changed. Between Nothing's the changed of, in four minutes. The okay, start of that great. answer and the end of that answer, so we're good. <laughs> okay, so a lot to get to there and a lot to unpack that we'll hit kind of step by step here. So I want to run through the last year because yeah. at least publicly, as someone who does not cover the team, this has felt a little like the Jared Goff situation to me, where there were rumors, but they were sort of like, you know, there for McVay, there were rumors last year after the Super Bowl. During the year, there were some rumors here and there. But it felt like in the last few weeks of this season, things suddenly started becoming real. It was, oh, no, this might actually happen right now. And it reminded me of the Goff situation because the, the Rams have been so supportive of Jared Goff. He was their guy. Any suggestions that he was not a franchise quarterback were laughed at or it was an insult to the organization. And then kind of in a two to three week span, Goff got hurt. John Wolford came in. Goff came back, but he wasn't really back. And then it was like, oh, actually, no, we're moving on from him. And, and there's been a falling out here. Even given that he's been weighing this for a long time, do you think his stance or the likelihood of him leaving has changed dramatically over the last month? Or what sort of happened to get to this point now in 2022 as opposed to 2023? Yeah, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking back on all of the like big situations with this team. And I kind of said, like, the Rams are the definition of the phrase. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's just their ethos. They operate on this high wire in terms of their team build. And so, you mm -hmm. know, like I said, there's you're if you're always on that wire, things can go from zero to catalytic very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think so. This is he's always been, I think, over the last few years and particularly with it. Ironically, a bit, a bit ironically, with the Jared Goff situation, how that unfolded, and then also the way that they won the Super Bowl and all of the things that they had to um, get through, and COVID nineteen, and and they were sequestered from their building for so long, and then they he installed an entirely new uh, defense in twenty twenty um, to try to push through into that contention, and then he also then the next year he traded the quarterback and and was the guy who was pounding the table for this, and then after that he was um, cha he changed over his entire offense, and then all of these things that the way that they won, you know, they lost Robert Woods, and then they went and made these crazy trades and then their building shut down and then you know they're winning these insane last second playoff games and then the super bowl is like his entire offense implodes and then they just sort of are drawing plays on the sideline <sighs> when they are on that final drive i mean it's not you can only function at that in that space for so long um before you your body just burns out it's not like i said it's not human to be able to operate in that existence for so much of your day and week and month and year. Mm -hmm. So I think this is this has been escalating. I, I always describe it as like Sean McVay has has been in an all out sprint toward what he thought was his dream um, since he was very, very young. Um, he's always succeeded. He's always been put in places to have success. Mm -hmm. He's always had whether he's the quarterback of a team or one of the you know young geniuses in the building in Washington or moving into this job with the Rams, he has always been the guy who can problem solve at such a high rate that you build the pieces around him to have success, whether he's playing quarterback or running a team. Mm -hmm. And this has been his life um, for you know decades at this point. At the same time, you when you're in a, a role that he's in and you have these situations that happen, 
you start to see mirrors all around you of who you are and, and you're starting to see those mirrors contrast with some of the qualities that you most prize in other people. Um, you know, he lost his grandfather, John, this year. And mm-hmm. I wrote this in my column over at the athletic uh, about this situation. Um, you know, the, the qualities everyone always said that John McVeigh had was he remained human and whole and he remained so empathetic and kind. And I think when you're moving so fast, Um, And you're successful so early and so fast and at such high rates of output. um, I think he's over the years held this reckoning within himself of, am I, have I lost my development and those other qualities that I so prize and other people that I so loved about my grandpa. And I think Mm -hmm. that was a huge, huge checkpoint for him in terms of um, really there's an emotional upheaval in your life. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, the rest of the wheels start to fall off the machine because you you don't have the right tools to deal with that type of thing because you have all these other tools that were built for output and, and production, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily have the right tools that you need to work through deeply personal emotional situations. And also sort of the at the same time, you're you're losing a lot and you don't mm-hmm. have any control over the way that you're losing because injuries are out of, of his control. And then you don't have any control over um, how people who you just meet play on Sunday. Like they're signing mm-hmm. fourth and fifth string linemen to start for them and you meet them one week and you don't have any control about how they process and retain mm-hmm. and move forward information. And so you're this person who... Everything in his entire life, and especially within the Rams building, has been set up to, again, have him produce and have him function as mm-hmm. a, almost a commodity at his best. Um, and then when some of those things start to fall apart, you're looking around and you realize, not only do I not have maybe enough people around me who um, I'm delegating to to help me through this, but I don't have any more answers left. I can't mm-hmm. problem solve my way through this because... It's happening to me and that loss of control and then the destruct, the complete destruction of an environment that had once been catered specifically to his every need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that compounds everything. And when something gets rolling down a hill, it always picks up momentum and inertia. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the reason why you saw more reports about it over time uh, was because he is also friends, friends and connected with a lot of big name people that you see who you know, he's venting to, I think. And then that's why you start to see the momentum publicly of this, but this is something mm-hmm. that's been escalating for, for years. And he was very um, frank about that this week when he talked um, for several minutes um, after the, their last game. And and it felt mm-hmm. more like a therapy session, frankly. I mean, he really got personal and honest and, and he's tired and he's tired of feeling this way. And he's tired of not knowing, um, you know, the best direction or what the answers are. And I think he's afraid of the fact of choosing the wrong one and and Mm -hmm. being set back because forward progress is all he's ever known. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, this is someone who has been incredibly successful as an NFL coach. I mean, his, his resume for a coach in his first five years is one of the best in the history of the national football league. He's still, is he still the youngest coach in the league? Um, I believe so. I think I mean, he still is. He definitely was the youngest to win the Super Bowl. I mean, right. that's the thing though. I mean, I'm 30 and I think about all of the growing up periods you do in your life from mm-hmm. 
the formative years of your childhood. And then you grow up again in your twenties. And then wherever you live for the first time, when you're away from home, you grow up again there. And then you have all these experiences of circumstantial things that happen to you. And I kind of think I'm like, man, what has happened to him other than this? Everything has been built around him in the past. Like what has actually happened to him? And now you're growing, now you're, you're having a lot of growing, growing up in, in one sort of rubber band snap. Right. And, and that's happening outside of a film room. It's happening outside of the facility. And I think the question I have here is sort of, you know, you've alluded to how frustrating of a season it's been um, and how, how difficult it's been, how the injuries have compounded, how, you know, he hasn't had control over the situation, how, um, you know, how exhausting it has been to feel like, you know, the, the situation at work where he is focusing his time, where he has just accomplished, you know, the ultimate accomplishment a year ago, how upsetting that's been. And I guess, you know, from your perspective, I wonder, all those factors away from football are meaningful and significant and would factor into any decision McVay made. But do you think he would feel dramatically different if the team was winning, if this was a team that was 11 and six or 12 and five and about to go to the postseason, like like what percentage of it do you think, or, or how in relation to the stuff that is unrelated to football or related to time and growing up, um, how much of it is the fact that they're just not a good football team right now? Yeah, I think actually that's a huge part of it, but not for reasons that I think sometimes I've seen mm-hmm. Broadcasted or put out there that I think are reductive, and that like always, if you know the the comments of like always a front runner, oh that type mm-hmm. of thing. Like I think that's incredibly extraordinarily reductive, um, and and unfair, frankly, of the situation. But it's complicated because I do think that it would have been you'd still be at a slow simmer. Like again, this has been at a slow simmer for years, and I think again you're at a slow simmer. You're not like you know the meme of the the guy dropping uh, the the food in the pot and it, the stove catching on fire. You're not there yet, right? You're at a you're at a slow simmer for, sure. for all of this. And if they're good and if they win in the ways that they were designed to win when they entered the season, you're still at a slow simmer. Like I don't think anybody thought the Rams with the roster as it looked when they entered the season. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be repeat champs. Mm-hmm. Um, they were definitely going to make the playoffs. Yes, but I don't think anybody thought that they were going to repeat. And the Rams themselves didn't think they were going to repeat. They actually had a conversation about how low probability it was. So how can you be at the best that you can? and look at the reality of the situation. How can you go compete to to stay in contention? And you want to make sure you're hitting these swells essentially um, when you're in, when you stay in contention. And I don't know that they necessarily saw, I mean, you can look the way their roster, I mean, they were missing a pass rusher for all the entire season. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And you can look at the way that they were set up and you can say like, yeah, no, I don't think that anyone thought, including them, that they were going to legitimately contend. Um, but I think they had plans that were designed to push them, continue to push them forward. And whether that meant um, having a really good 2022 and then a great 2023, um, I think that's sort of the trajectory that Sean thought they would be on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I, I've talked with him quite a bit over the last four, almost four years at this point. Wow. And when you see someone every day, I, I always say this, it's a 
It's a constant input of data about mm-hmm. how this person is and who this person is. And it's so funny because the job is so freaking weird because it's literally my job to study people who don't even have to know, you know, that, you know, that I have, you know, that I have a dog named Tucker or anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's my, right. but it's my job and it's our jobs as journalists to know every single thing about people. And um, then you also see people, these people every day, and then you see how they interact with others. Then you hear how they interact with others from a thousand other, you know, data points, essentially, that you're all, you're receiving constantly every single day for hours and hours and hours. It's what I love Mm -hmm. about being a beat writer, but it's also like when you start to see patterns emerge, you're like, oh man, (laughs) like there's some patterns emerging that are notable. And one of the patterns with him is that whenever you know, you've gotten into these human, really human conversations, which he loves having. He's so fascinated by people and how they work. And um, when you start getting into those, at some point in the conversation, there's going to be a breaking point and it's default into football. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can talk about, I'm, this is just going to be an example because I don't want to divulge conversations, but- um, for example, if you're talking, so you could talk about the Jared Goff situation and get mm-hmm. really personal about how um, much he troubleshot that emotionally and mentally in terms of how can I handle this better next time? And, mm-hmm. and um, how can I communicate my respect for somebody where in a vacuum, it just was because that person wasn't problem solving fast enough for me. And that's why everything escalated. And how can I communicate that and all of these mm-hmm. things? And all of a sudden it'll be a shift once you get a certain distance into that conversation, there's a shift into, and then this is why we're going to run this scheme this year. And this is why we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And this is, and so there's always into football. Football is a, uh, it's, it's a world he knows it's a comforting place. It's a world he helped build. It's a world world. He is a main character of that affects, he affects every part of it. And so he defaults sort of goes into that direction at times and, and, and he couldn't, when all this stuff's happening, he couldn't because it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, if you turn into that world and you seek solace and and in answers and patterns and you seek um, clarity in that world, but that world is on fire. <laughs> like, you know, what do you, what are you going to do at that point? And then you just frustration begets frustration. So that's what I mean when I say, yeah, I think winning would have helped because it's a, it's a bomb almost, I think Mm -hmm. it, it, but not because it's not because they're winning, but because there's clarity in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas this year there was no clarity in that space, only chaos. Right. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, In, in terms of the, the winning, like, I sort of wonder, I thought you might've said maybe, I thought you were going to say um, that it might be positive reinforcement, like it might reinforce you're making the right decisions. Right. Um, and, and I guess I wonder from how you you see think McVeigh views things, like, do you think he sees this season and just thinks, ah, you know, injuries, we weren't gonna win anyway? Does he write it off? Or do you think he took this season and was like, oh, oh, like my ideas, my concepts, my idea of what is going to win was wrong? Like, like do you think he he takes this personally as like a you know, I overestimated this or that, or our um, our ability to weather, uh, you know, negative situations, or is it just kind of a thing where it's just like, ah, we were injured, we would have been fine if we didn't get injured. I think that's such a good question. I'm so glad you brought that up. So I think that's part of it. Like, yes, they were 
injured at an historic rate, <laughs> especially in one position group. I mean, it was yes. insane. The combinations, you know, 12 offensive line combinations in 13 games, and they were on a four and five deep at every position except for right tackle. I mean, yep. it's, that's, that's insane. So, but, but what you saw starting to happen was you saw that start, start to get extrapolated a little bit. And when you're processing through what it, what it actually was, there are also things that I think he was really disappointed in himself about and really carried personally. I think he thinks he would have hired a bunch of different coaches um, than he did this yeah. year. Um, and I also think that he is, I don't even want to use the word embarrassed, but I think he was really self-reflective about the fact that he wasn't ready for what happened in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they weren't, the Rams were not ready on the offensive side. The Rams were not ready for the league to enjoy historic success in the run game. They did not have a run Mm -hmm. game at the beginning of the year. Um, They didn't have one at the end of last year. Um, The Rams were not ready for um, how uh, teams would would evolve schematically to pick Mm -hmm. apart their defense and, and, and in ways that, um, you know, most most of the time coordinators wouldn't have even considered because it's overly simple and it requires mm-hmm. the quarterback to be way more disciplined than they ever have any business in being. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they did it. And I think that those types of um, not surprises, but those patterns started to emerge where for the first time in my time covering this team and for the first time since Sean McVay was in the league, the Rams were behind on things conceptually. And what was even more striking and really pointed to how cloudy I think his whole mind was and has been um, is that they were behind on things that they helped create. So the, the Rams helped were part of the catalytic shift toward what happened in the NFL this year mm-hmm. in terms of the passing and running game. Mm-hmm. The reason why everyone's running those systems is because the Rams but married them together offensively yes. and defensively. And the reason why all of these coaches are running these systems is because they come out of the two staffs that Sean McVay and, and, and Vic Fangio had and, and Sean McVay's system and, and Kyle Shanahan, like it's coming out of those spaces. That's mm-hmm. the reason why the league, you know, I'm not going to get into argue. There's a lot of other variables I know, but when we're looking at main core reasons and shifts right. and patterns, that's the the Rams were a catalyst. Sean McVay was a catalyst in this. And then all of a sudden they weren't prepared for the next thing. This mm-hmm. is a team that's always been either way off on an island doing the next thing before anyone else thinks of it, or they're moving so fast. The rest of the league is just like gasping to keep up. Mm-hmm. And this year for the first time, what was most striking and why I think personally, I was really concerned about Sean McVay early in this year. Um, was because of how behind they were. It, it was not characteristic of the person we know him to be. And at some point I thought to myself at the beginning of the year, he is going to have a moment where all of this sinks in. And um, and again, I think it was right around the time he took a little bit of, uh, of time off after his, his grandpa passed. And I, I don't mm-hmm. want to put words in his mouth, obviously, but like I said, when you see patterns every single day you see people and everything every single day you can kind of extrapolate really defining moments for them
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. You've brought up the coaches a few times, and I want to make sure we talk about that. Obviously, there have been plenty of coaches who have left the Rams organization because they've been hired elsewhere. Um, We've seen them change some assistants in years past. There's been personnel coaches who have moved on. Um, I, I would say that Sean McFay's had very good taste in the coaches he's hired in terms of them having opportunities to go elsewhere with, with, with improved roles. And I think those coaches have had success elsewhere. I mean, Zach Taylor seems like the most obvious example. But what do you think about this coaching staff? McVay would say, I missed on this or I missed on that. Is there a consistent trend throughout? Is there something about the hiring process that went wrong? Was it being, you know, hiring after the Super Bowl? Was it just having made so having to make so many hires over the past few years that he was inevitably gonna run out of coaches who were good fits? Like like what is it about <laughs> this coaching staff that you think led to McVay being frustrated by the people he had, you know, in the bunker with him, I suppose, at the end of the year? Yeah, I'm glad you said the last part too, because I've joked with people in the Rams building, whether it's coaches or executives about um, like he's literally running out of people Yes, (laughs) because they've all gone elsewhere. And he knew that. So like one of the directives this year and and if so, it's 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 multiple things at once. And and you touched on a lot of them, too. Um, One of them is he's running out of people. And running out of people, not just who can come in and hit the status quo, but running out of people who authentically, genuinely teach and know in their bones the things that he wants to have taught and where he would feel more comfortable delegating in that regard. Like he's running out of offensive line coaches who have Bill Callahan principles. Um, He's running out of Vic Fangio people. He's running out uh, because now everything's pollinating so quickly across the league. Now he's running out of core, core people. Um, you can have, you know, six degrees of, of Vic Fangio and, and bring that guy in to coach, you know, your linebackers or whatever, but it's not going to be the same as somebody who inherently knows has looked at all those binders that Vic Fangio you know, uh, notoriously has of all the tendencies. It's different than having somebody who was on is on the ground floor of some of mm-hmm. these um, princi- principal items and foundational points that these offense and defenses exist on. And so that's that's part of it. Um, so he know he knew that, and so he started um, thinking, okay, I, I need to really now become a little bit more of an incubator myself uh, in terms of my coaching staff. So mm-hmm. go hire. I, I need to go hire an up and coming and very um, new coach and a green coach and an experienced coach who I can mold and then 
you know, not only can I depend on them down the road, but also like they will have qualities of a, of a, of a me system, of a McVeigh mm-hmm. system that I now will need to pull back from down the road because you're running out of people elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's when he went out and hired Rashad Samples. And the Rashad Samples running backs coach was a first year NFL coach, 27 years old. And the key here is that they wanted, he wanted somebody who had no previous NFL experience. He wanted somebody that they could teach and, and help develop and grow. And like, like I said, I think the idea of creating another incubator, kind of like what he experienced when he was in Washington Mm -hmm. has always been so fascinating to him. And it's something he's wanted to do. And after you win it all, why the heck not start it, you know? Hmm. And so, um, but, but then at the same time, they moved one of his most trusted veteran assistants, Thomas Brown, the assistant head coach, they moved him completely out of that room where, you know, now you don't have a, an experienced senior member that has coached the running backs really well and, mm-hmm. and who Sean McVay really leans on. Now you've moved him completely out of that room into tight ends, which was supposed to be a good move for Thomas and his career development, but ended up the way that these rooms are set up and the way that their problems started compounding. Now you're just trying to plug leaks. You're not doing any developing mm-hmm. at that right. point. You're just trying to plug leaks. And so then, you know, when you get that situation with the running backs room that imploded, you have a first year head coach who has, does not have the tools to solve this problem because they were, they, he entered a system where the directive was different than the directive he experienced. So um, it's an example of some of the issues that they had where, um, you know, you're, you're running out of people, so you're trying to find new people, and then it doesn't work out with with those people. So then um, now you're still plugging you're plugging leaks again because now you've moved Thomas back over to coach the running backs, and and they saw a lot of success at the end of the year doing that. But but now you're looking at a situation where you've got to try to solve that again. You got to try to figure that out again. Um, and so the other part of it is they didn't have any time. They didn't have any time to do it. And they'll never complain about the shortened season because off season because of why it was a shortened off season. But it was a really big factor where the 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 people he wanted, um, especially in some of the quieter assistant roles, they weren't there anymore. And then maybe you can't move on from a coach you wanted to move on from mm-hmm. because you don't have a back you don't have an option available to fill their spot. Right. And so that was part of the problem too because everybody's all hired out by the time the Rams like sobered up from the victory parade, you know. And so then so that's another part of the problem. And then I, I think a third part is he gets too bullish on guys he wants um in terms of the on the offensive side. I think he gets mm-hmm. way too bullish on coordinators. I think that he, he goes for a specific type of personality. Um, somebody who's like pretty different than he is, um, in terms of like, you saw this with Kevin O'Connell, you saw this with Matt LaFleur, you saw this with Liam Cohen. Um, it's pretty much, uh, you know, I don't want to be derivative of any of those guys and their journeys, but personality wise, it's pretty much like, you know, this guy is the same guy that can 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 work with Sean and like mm-hmm. can handle all of the roller coaster and the frenetic pacing and still kind of take it in stride. And then this guy is the one who, you know, Kevin O'Connell was did a lot of deep work, um, you know, in, in the emotional side of of what Jared Goff's role in the on the team ended up being mm-hmm. um, because he was equipped to handle that type of thing. Um, and, and so 
you know, I, I kind of kept referring to Kevin as like a middle child at that point, you know? <laughs> and so you see that now with the way that there's a great piece actually by your company that just came out on him and, and Kirk Cousins and the, the, uh, the EQ part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't surprise me at all. And so you're looking at, you're looking at that and I'm like, okay, that's great. So you found someone who you think is going to compliment you when things get rough in this phase. Um, but are there ideas what you need as well? And so I think that's kind of, you know, at the right time, it, it, it was like uh, lots of ideas about um, how to expand the passing game. Well, you know, Liam Cohen, all those ideas get left in the folder if you, your offensive line is going through its, you know, fourth and fifth string and because you can't pass protect. Oh, yeah. And you're down to your fourth quarterback and it's a guy. <laughs> it's Baker Mayfield. Like what a sentence. You know, you never, right. never expected this guy to be in your building. And mm-hmm. so now all of the ideas get, that you had get thrown out the window and you're just sort of flying by the seat of your pants. So I think it's a compounding of a lot of things at the same time. But um, but certainly all of them are a factor. So it sounds like even if McVay does return, there'll be changes in the coaching staff for 2023. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. I think um, either way, yep, I think there will be. Now, you mentioned that the sort of cap structure of the the deals that the Rams have handed out point towards 2023 being kind of a natural break point where McVay might be more likely to leave that point. They might make more changes with the roster. That might be the point where they kind of finish this era with this core of players and head in a different direction. In terms of if McVeigh does return, if the likelihood seems like, oh, he's probably out after 2023, and the likelihood is that, oh, maybe they're rebuilding the roster after that point, or they're changing their organizational philosophy after that point, and McVeigh is already seemingly close to you know, leaving the coaching field right now, does that sort of compromise what happens for the Rams this offseason, even if McVeigh does stay? Because you're looking at coaches who might be looking at this as a one-year opportunity before McVeigh leaves. You're looking at players who might say, okay, they're about to rebuild. Agents who are certainly advising those coaches and players accordingly. I mean, does it make the Rams sort of a lame duck situation if McVeigh does come back because of the chances that he finishes up after next season? So I think if he comes back, they look at it as uh, similar to how they entered 2021, because when they traded for Matthew Stafford, they signaled that they were going for it. And so I think you sort of operate in the same way that Mm -hmm. if you if Sean McVay comes back in 2023, they are freaking going for it (laughs) all in foot on the gas, tape a brick down there like it's just yeah, like for me in talking because like, you know, it's all these executives and people in the building, they've got to have a plan A, plan B, plan A minus, plan B plus, like all kinds of things, all kinds of conversations. Nothing has been uh, left off the table in terms, to my knowledge, in terms of what they've discussed, Um, Mm -hmm. right down to contingency plans and roster modeling and all of those types of things. They've been talking about all of this. Uh, But I think in 2023, if Sean McVay comes back, then you know, you we, we've already heard commitment from Matthew Stafford that he'll be back regardless of whether Sean is back or not. Obviously, that's you're a little more susceptible to, um, you know, trades, things like that. If you don't have the head coach uh, who you signed up for <laughs> um, yes. and then, you know, you have veteran players, Aaron Donald uh, being a significant element to this as well. Of course. Um, but, if, but if Sean comes back to me, I think 
what they do is they they go after things that you saw them trying to do this year, which was a big trade for an elite premier player at an elite premier position, a difference making mm-hmm. and sound investment position who could is young enough to um, and, and and dissimilar to the Von Miller trade, other a player who is young enough to that, you know, you can um, put up a huge amount of capital for them and they will be here with you now as you kind of push everything in and try to go on this run. And they will also be a player which to build around in mm-hmm. the future when you are rebuilding and you need core pieces on your roster. I look at it as when they rebuilt themselves on the fly when they traded for Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a trade very much was like, okay, you're going to help us win right now. And you're also going to help us. You're going to be a core element to how we completely overhaul not only our, our roster build method- methodology in terms of being much more aggressive than they had been, but then also completely rebuild our defense on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of look at it that way. And, and you that's why you saw the Brian Burns trade um, attempt be what it was. A lot of people scoffed at that at the time, but I, I got it because I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, yeah, because you compare it to the Jalen Ramsey trade. If you think at some point in the, in while this player is still in the younger part of his prime, um, then you're going to say, okay, you're going to be here now and help us get this thing done now, but you're also going to be here longer term. So I think you're looking at moves like that. If Sean McVay does return, Mm-hmm. Um, on the converse, if he doesn't return, um, I think everything really becomes up in the air at that point, because now you're potentially asking somebody, he's made it clear he's not done coaching regardless. So now you're potentially asking somebody to come in and fill a role um, that that's not guaranteed to be theirs after 2023. Mm-hmm. And you're also asking players to fill roles without the the same guarantees that Sean McVay has on the back end of his break. He's guaranteed millions and millions and millions of dollars through 2026. And he also is essentially like under the table, sort of guaranteed that even if he doesn't want that, he's going to have tens and tens of millions of dollars um, via some sort of broadcast deal. So now Mm -hmm. you're asking not only an assistant coach or an interim, or you you wouldn't probably call him an interim, but like a head coach to fill a spot without any future guarantees of career and life and quality of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And you're also asking players who don't even have multiple, multiple, mostly multiple years guarantees in their contracts. And that's where this gets really complicated because it is brutally, it, 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 you can see, and I think this also weighs on Sean heavily is you can see how unfair th- something like that would be to a group of play- and why maybe they wouldn't want to be a part of it. Um, if you're telling them, okay, just do what you can this year. And then whenever Sean gets back, then we're going to figure out what the rest of our, our roster is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And you look at these guys and we know it's been in the news so much, um, with the, the, you know, the, at first horrific and now super great DeMar Hamlin situation Mm -hmm. where players, most players don't have multiple years of guarantees in their contracts. The average lifespan of a player career is three years. And the Rams up until this past offseason had never given anyone a three-year guarantee, a third guaranteed year. That's the reason Von Miller left was because they Mm -hmm. didn't give a third guaranteed year. And so you're basically asking like, all right, you know, let's compete. And and, and so you also have to put the right person in there who's going to galvanize a locker room full of players and and a coaching staff who is like, what the hell, (laughs) essentially? You know what I mean? Of course. Now... I mean, I feel like I have to ask this question. You can shoot it down. It, you can say, I, I think you can dismiss it and dismiss it in a smart way. But I feel like 
I have to play devil's advocate here. Um, I think about Sean Payton in New Orleans, where they sold out for years. They pushed their cap problems into the future. They traded future picks to get guys. They built around all in around Drew Brees. Drew Brees retires, Sean Payton lasts one more year, and then he decides he's tired and wants to stop coaching and leaves. And now it looks like he's going to come back and coach somewhere else. Sean McVay, the, the team is very aggressive, going out and, and trading future picks for players, trading first rounders for players. They win a Super Bowl. Their cap is not as bad as the Saints, but still they're $11 million over the cap next year. They're going to have to do some work. The roster, it will be tough, not impossible. They could certainly be better next year, but the roster, I mean, is is not one of the younger rosters, I believe, in football. Um, I mean, if if Sean McVay decides to leave, whether now or next year, takes a couple years off where the Rams are, you know, politely rebuilding or, or, or reconstructing their roster, mm-hmm. and then comes back as they're about to get good, I think that that could come off as pretty cynical. I mean, do you think that that is easy to dismiss that idea that they are just like these these coaches are building all in not wanting to be around for the downside and then maybe coming back and being in a more positive situation once they don't have to deal with that because that would be that would certainly seem like it's it's unfair to like you said the players involved and to the fans who are now stuck with this team that a coach is deciding hey i don't want to coach this mediocre team i want to go coach a great team um like 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 do you think mcveigh is worried about that possible about being perceived that way if he does leave for a while as the rams are are sort of in the down part of their cycle and then come back when come back when they're starting to improve again yeah i mean it's hard to not you know sort of look at it especially from a bird you know especially from a bird's eye view like that's that is what it looks like i think we can be honest with ourselves about that like and i think the the front office should be honest with themselves about what it looks like and i think that sean should be honest with himself about what it looks like because i think that when you when you see someone else having just done this thing it's yes. also you know what i mean like it's it's very you can sort of say oh this is the way coaches are thinking now or that type of a thing right um, but one thing I think that conversation certainly has when I've seen it circulate and certainly mm-hmm. has continued to leave out is that there's a less need element to all of this. Sure. It's where true. I do not think for one second that less need would bat an eye if it meant trading high profile players for capital and setting the table uh, pretty much in an is- instant again, if they mm-hmm. needed to, to do that, um, which kind of takes the idea away of a rebuild. It kind of goes more into uh, reassemble on the fly, kind of like how I alluded to with with what they did with their defense a couple of years ago and, and that whole side of the roster and that whole structure. Mm-hmm. And I think that less, well, he comes off as warm and eccentric. And he is, he's warm and eccentric, <laughs> but there's also... Um, a very interesting like sort of Jekyll and Hyde situation with him where he is able to really compartmentalize away from the emotional toll of, oh my God, you traded who? (laughs) And doing so if it means a higher end goal in in the minds of the franchise is achieved. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if that was something that... um. Sean McVay would need to say, okay, now all of a sudden we're going to get out of total cap 
and Capitol Hell. And we need to do this instantly because that's how I'm staying around. I think they do it. Um, and I don't think that's been something that he has asked for or or has sort of demanded in that way. Or And I don't even think that's something he would want to do. So when we talk about the idea of like, okay, take a break while they're rebuilding, I legitimately don't think that any sort of rebuild would be um, extended. I think that, <laughs> I think that uh, the less need factor of this means that it, swift, decisive, and frankly, perceptively cold things mm-hmm. would happen very, very immediately. And like I said, I don't think this team knows how to exist in the mean. I think that it, the moves that they've made in the past and the things that they're, they've done, and even the way that they lose, when they lose, they really lose. Yes. Um, I think that that means that uh, something of that nature is not, you're not looking at like, okay, it's a rebuilding year. Like, uh, no, it's a rebuilding January if you're looking at it like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that Sean is very aware of that as well. And I think that's part of the nuance that maybe is not uh, being discussed enough about this entire situation. They do have capital. It's tied up into other people who they would need to move on from to instantly recoup it. Mm -hmm. And um, I I actually don't think that if that were the last case scenario, that that was like, okay, this is how we have to do this. I I think, you know, Les takes a sip of his coffee and goes for it, frankly. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to be all. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, I mean, it's it seems exhausting to go from one extreme to the other, but that's what's happening here. It feels like, um, in in terms of, I don't want to finish up here. Uh, you mentioned that he wants to come back to coaching even if he does retire. Do you think there's any chance that he's like maybe a Bill Cower? where he retires, does media for a couple of years, and is like, you know what? This is a lot of money for a way less stressful job. I'm home all the time. I can see my family. I'm not like, I'm not miserable or ecstatic based on the results of a game every week. Actually, I'm good. Like, is there any chance you think he would retire and then just be done with it? Or you think he just has that nature where he would have to come back? Yeah, I think there's zero chance he retires and is done. 0.000 infinity zero. Because first, there's a couple elements to this. And again, I don't want to speak for anybody, but it's someone you see and talk to every single day. And so you're like, okay. So first of all, he, he totally like thrives off of people and like problem solving with people. I think he really gravitates toward qualities that he, um, I don't want to be rude and say wishes he had more of himself, but I think he really likes learning from people. He likes teaching. Mm-hmm. He likes that moment when the, that's why he and Matthew get along, have gotten along so well, especially in 2021. He loves that moment where the light bulb goes off for somebody and he got to be a part of that. And it's really gratifying to like, Hey, you had the answer and like, now it works. And and those types of things, you don't really get that in broadcasting. Um, and I think that he would miss the coaching element of it so much. Um, I think he would miss having as much control around his environment uh, that he has now. I mean, he's pretty much set up in anything he needs. And I think it's good that now this means something a little bit more holistic than just production. But yes. anything he could possibly need as a human, he get he will have. He, he can have it. Um, and I think that you don't get that when you have you're at the whim of executives who don't know you and don't really care you need to be good at this one thing and that's it. 
um, and you're getting constant feedback. I don't think that he would like that very much either. Um, constant, constant feedback about how you look and um, how you talk and slow down your voice, dress like this, um, make a Twitter account so you can interact <laughs> with your audience. Like, I don't think he would like it. Like, that's not to say, I think he would be an absolute rock star broadcaster. I think he would be incredible. I don't think he would care much for the rest of that because again, he has been um, insulated from all of that, um, whether by the system around him or the people around him or not enough of the other in his life to this point. And mm -hmm. so I think, um, and it sounds insulting. I don't mean that as an insult at all. I'm just saying like, I can't imagine him doing what, you know, uh, people person, warm, um, big hearted, you know, Andrew Whitworth has done in terms of now he's on Twitter and he talks to people mm -hmm. because that's what, you know, Amazon wants this when you're a part of their brand. I can't imagine things like that with Sean. I can imagine him being an absolute historic rock star broadcaster, but in terms of that accessibility, um, I don't necessarily think that that's just in my mind, in my opinion, I don't necessarily think that he would prefer that long-term over coaching until he's in a, maybe a different point of his life. You know, jolly Sean McVay with three kids running around and like gets to be a dad and, and all this stuff. Like, sure. Heck yeah. Like, you know, once you're past 40, they don't want you to join Twitter anyway. So like, you know, it's, it's stuff like that where I can, I can totally see that down the road long-term for him. And I can see it if he takes a break and he gets too antsy and too fidgety, I can see him wanting to pour himself into that in the short term too. But in terms of what really kind of lights him up about coaching, I think he would just sort of ache missing that. And then you're sort of in a different kind of hell altogether. Mm -hmm. Yes. If we're, if we're comparing different hells, maybe not uh, an ideal situation, but let me finish up with this. You sort of alluded to the Rams and the relationship with McVeigh and McVeigh getting what he wants. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know at the end of the day, like who has final say, but clearly there's a, a good relationship between Les Snead and Sean McVeigh in terms of making plans. And I don't think this is about getting something. I don't think Sean McVeigh no. is thinking about retiring to get something in return, but do you think there might be something that the Rams could do, whether it's in terms of coaching, whether it's in terms of their personnel, in terms of their roster, in terms of anything related to the Rams that the Rams could do right now that even if Sean McVay has not demanded it or requested it, something the Rams could do that would make the idea of returning in 2022 more exciting or more comfortable for Sean McVay? Well, I think outlining a bunch of different plans. Like I am sure less has done at this point, I think outlining a bunch of different avenues that they can proceed down, um, identifying support staff, identifying routine, identifying different things like that. But actually I think one of the smartest things, and I want to think altruistically about this, but it's the NFL. So there's like <laughs> always something else to it. Um, I think one of the smartest things this organization did was they told Sean, you take as long as you need. We'll, we'll eat all of the angst from everyone else. We'll eat that. And you take as long as you need. You have no deadline. We, we literally don't want you to answer us until you're absolutely have taken the required time. Mm -hmm. Um, because he is impulsive and, and he admits that and, and all of that. Um, 
And I think it's really smart of them to do that, not just because it is the kind thing to do, um, but it also, the longer he is away, the more he will want to come back. That is what I believe about um, about this situation. Um, that is frankly, so I think it behooves them to leave it open-ended because I do think the longer he is away, the greater the sense of, of need to come back will be. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Jordan, I just checked and nothing has happened with we the situation. <laughs> we successfully we completed the hour without having any news break. So I can't promise that will be the case by the time this posts later this afternoon. But until then, when presumably something does happen with the RAM situation, where can people check out your coverage of all things Sean McVay and all things RAMs? Yeah. And if you're sick of hearing about Sean McVay, go read the story I wrote about grass. <laughs> if you'd rather, if you'd quite literally watch grass yes, grow, then, <laughs> then talk about Sean McVay for one more second. I've got you covered there too, frankly. So um, you can find me at Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. And then you can also find me over at The Athletic um, doing a lot of fun stuff over there right now. Um, and a lot of like, this is emotional, human, weighty stuff. And so I'm glad that um, I get to have some of that, you know, or at least attempt to have some of that range um, over there in my little, in my little space. But um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on bill. I can't believe we made it through, you know, every time you, you, you always think, I'm sure every time you schedule an interview, you're like, well, we'll see if we make it all the way through that one. So I'm so glad we did. I am glad nothing broke again. We will see. Hopefully nothing will break in the next couple hours, but until then, Jordan, until the next Rams, saga happens thanks so much for coming on all right thanks so much to jordan rodrigue one of the best in the business covering the rams for the athletic hope you guys enjoyed that obviously playoff action coming this week i talked all about the playoffs with pablo torre over on espn daily previewed the playoffs there wrote a playoff preview column for espn.com today you can check that out Otherwise, we'll be back next week. There'll be more football to talk about, recapping, previewing, not sure yet, but plenty to discuss here on The Bill Barnwell Show. So thanks so much for listening.